Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritually Expressed Human, Navigating the Human Experience. I am super excited to be here because this is my very first guest on the new format of the new show, and you all know that it's not really changed that much. I'm still who I am, and I bring on amazing hand-selected guests who have incredible stories. The focus is a little bit different, the direction is a little bit different, and it's really more about helping you understand how to navigate this human experience as the spiritual being you are living in human form. So I am excited to welcome to the house today, Paul Vogelzang, who I met a short while ago regarding an interview that I was doing for a magazine that I write for. And Paul's story was so fascinating, and, and he, he's the host of an amazing podcast, that I said, hey, Paul, are you interested in coming on my show so that we can further this conversation for my audience? And he said, absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul is a very well-known freelance writer, radio host, and podcaster to the 50-plus age community. Now, I totally fit in that community because you all know I'm 55. He is published in AARP, PBS, Next Avenue, The Beacon, Smithsonian, Huffington Post, Grand Magazine, Changing Aging Magazine, and he's also a LinkedIn author. My gosh, Paul, you have had such an amazing journalistic history already just from reading that, right? And he is a host of the very popular show, podcast, I'm sorry, to me it's a show, it's a podcast though, called The Not Old Better Show, and it garners a lot of attention. As you can imagine, there are so many of us that are 50 plus out there. Now, the Not Old Better show focuses on better aging, and that's really the arena that Paul is in, is aging. Better conversations, better guests, better friends, better relationships, more joy, more passionate living. The show really delivers better stories and more timely information and innovation than any other 55-plus age community program that's out there right now. And their slogan is really more than just a slogan. It's talk about better. I love that. So, Paul, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. How are you? Susan, thank you. Thank you for the very kind introduction. I'm doing well. And... Uh... Everything's good, you know, uh, in light of all of the challenges that we are all facing these days. Yep, we're doing well here. Oh, that's phenomenal to hear because COVID-19 is definitely something that I think, and you, you'll you know better than I, that has affected a lot of the 50 plus community in different ways because you know, maybe we were close to retirement or we were kind of at that stage where we felt like we had what we needed for our retirement and our and our latter years. And now COVID-19 has potentially thrown a wrench in a lot of that and created, I think, from what I'm seeing, a lot of fears that maybe people in our age group didn't really deal with before. Have you seen that? I have. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. I know that this is more than just a challenging moment. This is this is going to change our world. And I think for many in my generation, those of us who are uh, over 60, I'll be 63 coming up here in May. And, and I think all of us are, are rethinking this idea of what are we going to do now? How are we going to stay closer to our families? How are we going to uh, address our everyday lives, which includes healthcare and work? And so I think that there's this idea out there about the second act and what we're going to do with that time and uh, staying healthy during it. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know that even though I feel 
I don't, you know, I'm 55, but I don't feel 55 emotionally, mentally, internally, spiritually. And yet I'm looking at my life going, oh my gosh, I could really only have maybe 20 or 30 or 40 years left if I was really lucky. The likelihood is that it's probably somewhere between 20 and 30 years. And my son, who's 29, like I remember his birth, like it was yesterday. And I look at that and go, wait, as old as he is right now, his whole life is all I may have left. And it brings a different awareness and a different kind of set of thoughts as we shift into this second part of our life. And and some of us feel our age and some of us don't. And now with all of this and going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And how is that going to look? Wow. Just, um, you know, as, as you're hearing this, I'm sure unless you're listening to this months and years later, you're in the middle of COVID-19 too. And so I know from my perspective, my heart goes out with you and for you and to you with all that you're dealing with, regardless of your age and recognize that, you know, we really truly are all in this together. Okay. Just had to kind of add that piece. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, that's also so kind of you. And I, I guess, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, how, how are you doing? How, how, how is your family? How's everything going for you there? Oh, thank you for asking, Paul. It's going well. I mean, my son still works. He's in a transportation mm-hmm. industry, and so he's still working. And, and my husband and I worry about him a bit because he still has to be out and about. Although he works with a crew that is pre, is the same every day. And so hopefully they're keeping the social distancing you know, kinds of uh, considerations as well. And it's not putting him or any of them at risk, which he then brings back here. And when my husband has gone out, you notice I said, husband, I haven't been out of the house in nearly four weeks. And I'm, I'm actually not sad about that with what's going on. Yes. He has masked and gloved up and sanitized and sanitized all the items he's brought into the house kind of thing. Right we're doing well. It just hits home then, you know, what's kind of happening. And, and I want to hear, you know, some of your kind of background and not only how you started the podcast, but kind of just like, you, you know, your background in general. But I do want to ask first, because of this, I know that what it's done for me is it's caused me to reflect more deeply on my values and the things that are important to me and the priorities in my life. And what that brings up for me is a sense of my own spirituality and how I kind of show up and express that day to day as a person. And so I'm curious, either way, what does spiritually express mean to you or spirituality mean to you? Well, I, I certainly feel as though I'm a very spiritual person and to be spiritual, for me at least, means expressing it. So I like the way you you frame this. You you talk about the spiritually expressed human, the name the name of your podcast, and I feel as though I need to express that. I'm certainly not a, a zealot. I'm not uh, somebody who is out there banging the drum, you know, shouting from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like I live my life in such a way that does express my spirituality, my, my deep belief in uh, Jesus Christ, my deep belief in uh, heaven, my deep belief in forgiveness and repentance, and, mm. and what those things do for us as humans. And so I, I know that for me, that's an important part of who I am. It's something that has really kind of always been there. I, um, I value it. I, um, I trust it. And in that way, I really try to live it. And and I don't know that I'm I'm doing such a great job at that all the time. But I certainly it's at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. Um, so I I'm somebody who reads scripture. I I do kneel and pray. And so it's those reminders. It's that meditative time that reminds me kind of who I am every single day, and it helps me to live it. So I'm I'm one of those that uh, I guess two things probably, Susan. I'm I'm a believer and I'm trying. So that's probably I not- love that. Well, you know, and I mean that's the whole point of this show and even the new direction, Paul, 
And again, thank you for being my very first guest oh, on, the, on the new format of the show, because I think that what I've seen over the course of my life as a, as a person, as a woman, as a therapist, has been that people struggle because they feel like they have to be a particular way, right? So if I'm religious or I'm spiritual and I have this faith, then that means I can't ever have negative thoughts or I can't ever have negative feelings. And so it, it comes out as like I'm trying and you know I'm not doing the best job and I don't always come from this place of spirituality or belief or kindness or compassion or love, which I believe are the divine nature, what I call the deepest spiritual part of us. That's that's how I see that is coming from a place of forgiveness and love and compassion. Back when I was nine years old, because of my own thread when I was four of this awareness of who we were at the core, at least from this perspective I'm sharing, I read a book titled Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Richard Bach. Yep. And it has still remained to be one of my all-time favorite books. And I wore that book out to the point where my parents had to get me a new copy because I, at nine, got it. I knew it wasn't really about a seagull, <laughs> that it was much more philosophically and spiritually based. And I, and I understood it. And I was like, oh, what that did, though, and why I'm sharing this is it led me down a path to start reading everything I could get my hands on from a religious and spiritual perspective. And so I read, you know, both the Old and New Testament multiple times, various versions. I read, you know, the Quran for as well as I could read it, not at nine, with English transliteration, mm -hmm. looked into the Kabbalah, looked into Buddhism, looked into the Tao, like anything and everything that I could get my hands on to understand. And what I found was that there seemed to be these basic tenets that ran across all of them, and that was compassion and unconditional love and forgiveness and tolerance and acceptance, things like that. And it just made me look at the world through a different lens because I, I may not have said the word expressed then, but I knew that, that I had to be who I was and felt I was at the core mm -hmm. and show up that way. And yet at the same time, it kind of goofed me up because I couldn't understand how in my humanness then I could have traumatic experiences or challenging times or think negative thoughts or have anger because I'm like, oh, well, I'm not very, you know, compassionate or loving or spiritual then, right? If I'm so angry or I'm hurt or I'm frustrated and impatient. And yet it also was this awareness that we are human. Mm -hmm. And so look at now all these years later, then this show is about expressing that humanness. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And at the same time, be kind to yourself and give yourself some compassion that, you know what, we're all trying and doing the best we can, right? So where did it kind of start for you then in, in your faith, if you feel like sharing that with, with me, where did that kind of start for you? And how has that kind of moved you through your life to where you're at today? Well, I think you touched on this and, and, and and you you put this so well, and I think it it's for me. I kind of refer to it as a little bit of a, a mishmash because I come from uh, a history of uh, being part of a faith that has been persecuted on a couple of different fronts. Mm -hmm. And my family were Dutch Jews, immigrated to the United States, did that through the um, through the Mormon Church. And both of those two religions have had their share of challenges and 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 questions, and I think understanding. I think much of that has changed. But I grew up uh, certainly. I'm 63, so I grew up at a period where there were an awful lot more questions about who I was and who I am, and so I had to kind of understand that at an early age, probably not nine, but certainly at a pretty early age, I had to come to grips with it because. I went to a daily early morning uh, religious class in our church. It's called seminary. And I did that all through high school. And then all my friends were members of the Mormon church. And so you, 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 you can get pretty kind of focused and you can kind of internalize 
a lot of a lot of what's being uh, you know kind of thrust upon you you know some of the challenges that yeah. you face and and so for me as i faced those challenges i really looked to my faith to kind of get me through mm. and and so it it has over the years i've had a lot of setbacks like you know and and we all are trying absolutely and 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 so as i have had some of those setbacks I've relied on that. It's gotten me through it. I know that it will get me through others as they other challenges as they come along. And that gives me a lot of comfort and a lot of you know kind of uh self-awareness about my ability to be confident but um just be secure. And so I take that with me uh through through my work as I say it, it, you know I do I love the the title of your show because I do I do express my uh you know my religious beliefs on a on a daily basis because of how i live and and i live that same way uh, irrespective of whether i'm being challenged or whether i have got it all kind of knocked and so i kind of live in that yeah. in that zone of somewhere in between <laughs> so yeah i think it it for me it started a long time ago and um and i'm glad to have it especially during these times because it really does put a strain on kind of who you are to kind of be a little cooped up. I really it, it it's so wonderful to see your face today. You don't know how nice that is to actually be able to see your face because so much of so much of my work period is kind of done, you know, remotely with others that I really can't see. I don't get out much these days like all of us, but it's just wonderful to be able to have another co- connection with a person because I think it's through that connection that that we do get strong but we can share these kinds of things that we are more aware of who we are and i think that helps us all and so that's kind of how i've gotten to to where i am certainly i think spiritually 100% i i i agree you know it's beautiful to see your face as well because yeah, we're all missing yeah. those connections and having to do things virtually and as i've said before and i know you are experiencing as well. I've been in my bubble for years here mm-hmm. in my office, right? You know, just kind of doing my work and doing my thing. And I had the freedom though to go out to karaoke or go mm-hmm. visit for lunch with someone or go to the store. And without any kind of thought or fear of what's happening or could I become ill or am I a carrier and I'm creating, you know, a situation for other people. And I especially think that because specifically right now with what's going on with COVID-19 and the fact that the elderly population, I've always kind of hated that term elderly, you know, it just like puts them in this category, like they're old and feeble and they can't get, you know, around, but it is the language that we use. And so with the elderly population being at much higher risk, that is in my mind, mm-hmm. right? Am I a carrier? Do I know? I'm, it, it, I, I don't have any symptoms, so how, how would I know this, how to protect? And so it makes it even more important then to utilize the virtual means that we can to connect in a different way. And, and I think that what you said is so beautiful because there is, for a lot of people who may not be religious at all or have a religious faith, they may feel a sense of spirituality or vice versa. They may feel very religious and tied to their faith and they see that spiritually. But when they hear the word spirituality, they think all of that kind of woo woo stuff, like you're meditating all day and lighting incense and candles and saying Om all day long and playing, you know, some kind of music. And I, I would just invite you all as you're listening to remember that, However, you choose to express as who you are at the core, whether you have a religious faith or not, or you call it spiritual belief systems or not, that at the core, even if none of this was true, we're love. And I think we're seeing evidence of that today with COVID 19, that so many people are coming out to love and be compassionate and kind in the ways that they can to serve and help and uplift, empower and inspire each other through these challenging times. And I pray, I really do, Paul, that when we, I'll say come out of this, 
the shelter in place orders are lifted and we can all gather again and we we start to understand what this new reality and this new normal is and and how it develops i really pray that we hold on to some of the things that we're seeing now because i think that's where we step into more of the divinity of who we are and and more of that expression you know so i love that you honor that even with the challenges that you've had and now a quick word from our sponsor today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor true visionaries incorporated an organization dedicated to helping you become a true visionary of your own life If you're dealing with any kind of stress day-to-day or stress related to the pandemic, then go to www.susandesenzi.com forward slash stress toolkit to download your free stress toolkit guide. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. So tell me a little bit then about like what would be one of the biggest challenges you face that you feel changed kind of the direction of your life? Well, I've, I've certainly had some professional challenges and, and I'll, I'll talk about those, but probably one of the biggest changes that has taken place uh, with me ha- had to do with my, my religion and um, my sense of kind of who I am within that religion and who I am to my family. My wife and I have two boys, a uh, 27-year-old son and a uh, 21-year-old son. Both of them are great boys. Our 27-year-old son, and I've talked about this before a little bit, um, uh, our 27-year-old son attempted suicide twice at the age of the first time at 14 um, and, uh, and then came out to me as a, as a gay man and uh, is um, uh, a, a very, uh, you know, having been raised in a church that questions that lifestyle, that who that person is, was tough for me. I had to really deal with, well, is this nature? Is it nurture? How is this something that, you know, I'm going to kind of sort through in my mind? Because I knew on the one hand, what my church might have been teaching me. I think that what the church what my church teaches has changed quite a bit and there's much, much more tolerance, lenience and acceptance today than there was, you know, um, uh, 10, 12 years ago when my son was first kind of coming out, but I had to really kind of come to grips with that. And, and it meant changing. And that's not always an easy thing to do, especially when you have a faith that you love and a religion that is important to you. But I knew that, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this. And so I kind of came to grips with the nature versus nurture thing, um, knowing that this wasn't something that my son could change, even if he wanted to, even if I wanted him to do that. This was who he is. And he would not have tried to c- commit suicide twice if it wasn't something that he was really wrestling with, knowing that he probably felt, and he has said this too, he probably felt a great deal of guilt uh, living in a religious family as he was and still being the person that he is. And so I had to come, I had to really come kind of full circle on this whole thing, Susan. I just had to kind of say to myself, I love my son. I accept my son. I want him to be a part of my life. If I do anything that's going to be the least bit hostile, antagonistic, or negative uh, to him, I'll lose that relationship. And Mm, so that that was one of those moments where you you kind of have to say to yourself, what is it that you believe in? And that's a challenge that goes goes deep. And I can tell you to this day that um, I have a great relationship with both my sons. Uh, during this r- terrible COVID-19 period, uh, our 27-year-old is, uh, is in our basement living with, uh, with his very steady friend, Gilmar. And our 21-year-old son is uh, also living in our home. We have a full house, and it's a great house. And I love all the activity. It's a little crazy for kitchen time. It's a little crazy during cleanup time. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. And so right. I, I love that. I love that, uh, that togetherness. And it, wouldn't have, it, it might not have been there had there been 
uh, maybe another response. You know, I, I certainly didn't, as I say, I'm trying. So I didn't handle it. Uh, you know, I, looking back, I, I certainly could have been more sensitive, more alert. My wife has said that she knew all along. Mm. Um, she really didn't, you know, kind of say much. And, and, uh, and so I had to kind of learn it in the way that I did. And I had to come to grips with it in the way that I did. But I think that's also meant that, you know, I've become uh, much more aware. And, and as a result, I've, I've even done some work within our church on this subject. I've even been sought out because I'm a father of a gay man. I've, and I, I don't, our son doesn't need me to, you know, carry a picket sign for right. a gay pride. He's not looking for that. And, and I'm not looking for that either. But I certainly have come to understand this and come to understand what it means to me and still be a very, a very religious, devout member of my church. And yeah. so I think that on a personal side, I think, Susan, that's probably, that's, that's been, that's been it. That's, that's been a doozy. And, and I've had other moments certainly in my life that, that have been challenging from a personal side, but professionally, uh, I, uh, worked for the federal government for many years. Uh, I left the federal government and went into the private sector, went to work for a company and age at age 58 was laid off. Oh, and wow. that was another challenging moment when you just kind of have to figure out who you are in regards to the world of work. And at 58, it is tough. To, it was very tough for me to get a job. I went on lots of interviews, but I just didn't, I wasn't successful. Those interviews started to lead on and on and on. My credit rating started to tank. That meant that I was eligible for less and less jobs. I interviewed for a job at Target and because my credit rating was so bad, uh, they wouldn't give me the job because I, they thought I might be a, a, a potential risk at, at the cash register. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Because you wouldn't think that, like, I didn't even know that jobs, well, now, but kind of, you know, some years back, I didn't even know that jobs could utilize or have access to your credit report in order to make those determinations. I knew like car insurance companies could kind of utilize that and, you know, a few other places. But I didn't know that when you go for a job, especially at like Target, no offense, Target, no but offense. I just didn't. Wow. That. Yeah. How shocking. Yeah, so, go ahead. Well, uh, yeah. And sorry for interrupting. I was just going to say, so, so along with, uh, uh, you know, permission to release any criminal you know, records, you release a credit worthiness record today too. And so it was out of that, that, um, I mean, I, Susan, I could not get work. And so for me, that just meant, well, a couple of things as we've kind of talked about, you know, I just really had to rely more and more on my faith. I had to rely more and more on my family. It meant, you know, going through all the things that you go through as you, as you start to face just not having the cash to kind of live your life. And, and we just, we held on to the house for dear life, and I started anew. I started uh, podcasting. First, I started interviewing other people who were my age or maybe a little older, kind of going through similar circumstances because mm-hmm. it was this was a time when there was a great deal of layoffs. And I didn't kind of do that with this bitter attitude. Frankly, some of the interviews that I went on were just almost hilarious. I, I've been asked by interviewers these almost crazy questions of, you know, what kind of, you know, foods I prefer in hopes, I think, of understanding my innermost thoughts about something or another. But but I, I didn't get that. I just wasn't sharp enough to figure out what they were after. So I'm I, sorry, no matter how you slice and dice that, no pun intended. Well, sort right. of pun intended. Yeah, yeah. That's just a weird just, I'm sorry. That's that's not really reflective oh of the kind of food that I'd like of I my know. internal thought processes and and who I am as a person. Oh, it was wow. just okay. it, it was really a uh, you know. I mean, I as I say, I can kind of laugh at it now. During the moment, it was it was hard, and then I started writing about it, and in that way, it became a bit therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. That led me to doing other interviews with. Uh, uh, on subjects that, you know, I was very, very interested in. I, I did a series on on suicide of men over the age of 55. Suicide wow. touched my life earlier, as I, as I mentioned. And so that was a subject certainly I was interested in. I uh, then branched out. I, I get to do 
an awful lot of author interviews. I get to do an awful lot of um, uh, entertainment interviews. As you mentioned, I do work very closely with the Smithsonian and Smithsonian Associates. I work very closely with the National Institutes of Health. I live just outside the Washington, D.C. I'm a federal, I'm a former federal employee. So it's kind of blossomed and, and I, I get a chance to talk to people like you, which is just wonderful. I love to talk and I, I love to learn about other people and, and I do continue to love to learn about myself. So all that has kind of brought me full circle to kind of this point where, where I'm at. Wow. See, I, you know, I, I think it's such an important journey that you've been on because again, I'm really big on language. So for all of you listening, please be aware that when I use particular pieces of language, it's just because that's what we're used to. But I think that the kind of journey you've been on is something that most of us have been on. Just the the scenes might be different, right? The players might be different and the scenes might look differently. And the characters that are involved in that kind of movie scene or play are, are a bit different, but it's, it's relative to, I grew up, I had these expectations and these ideas because that's kind of what I was taught. And maybe I was raised in a religious household or maybe not, or maybe I had spiritual faith, maybe I didn't, but I I just kind of was this person and I grew up and I went to school and I did, you know, the whole school thing or college thing or, you know, trade thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the expectation. You grow up, you graduate, you live a life, you work, you earn a living. And maybe you get married and you have some children and you have a home and like those are kind of the ideals that are set forth for most of us in a lot of ways, that kind of conditioning. And we come up against these obstacles and these challenges and we rely on various things to pull us through, faith, sense of spirituality, sense of values, sense of priorities, family members, whatever it might be. And then to get rocked. At 58 and lose your job, <laughs> did it cause you to doubt yourself and like who you were as a person? Oh, yeah. Work was my identity. And I had worked for even as a young boy, I had had jobs. You know, I, I weeded uh, parking lots. I worked at a sporty goods store as a cashier, by the way, Target. I, <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> Have to throw that out there. Yeah, definitely. I worked at a department store in a in a, uh, a men's department. I just worked. I have worked all my life, and work has been something that's been very important to me. It's been something that I've used almost as kind of my personal yardstick too. Mm-hmm. You know, not not in the way, not not so much that I was. Uh, so money oriented, although, although I was, I certainly wanted to take jobs that would pay me, you know, a, a decent wage. And, and, and I was able to get some of those jobs, but more, it was about me just kind of competing with myself and growing and thinking that my next step is going to do this for me. My next step is going to expose uh, another side of myself that, that is going to offer me some growth, um, maybe allow me to Right, allow, allow me to do some public speaking. Allow me to do, um, uh, be become a better manager. Th- some of those kind of things were some of my goals, and so when I got laid off, all of that, all that measurement, kind of went right out the window because mm. I was just, it was just me. I was just, uh, you know, alone. I, I, as I say, I tried really hard to get a job anywhere and everywhere, and I know uh, my father was alive at that point, and I know my dad was. Um, you know, he couldn't understand why I couldn't get a job. I'd always had jobs and he, he, he could not grasp the idea that my credit rating might affect an employer's decision about me. And that, that, some of that, you know, and so that really made me start to think, well, am I, am I that bad? I mean, if, if my own father can't even understand that, you know, I can't get a job because of some some arbitrary credit score, then I must, I must be pretty lousy. And so, yeah, you know, you just, you start to question yourself and you start to kind of feel bad for yourself. And, and, and even though I tried to exercise and I tried to stay close to my faith, even with all of that, it still became 
pretty difficult. I made a point, and you you probably have heard this from from others, maybe who you've interviewed about this about this particular subject. But I made a point of getting up every day and getting up early and sitting at my desk in kind of some non like non sweat clothes. You know, not right. Not, not that I would put on a tie, but I would I would put on you know kind of what I might wear, what might be considered like casual Friday and. And I, so I treated, I kind of figured that I had to have some sense and order and some kind of means by which to get me back into this way of thinking that, Mm -hmm. that I knew, I knew that I was going down a a hole and I knew that I I couldn't, and I knew I couldn't do that and find any kind of work, let alone what my, you know, credit scores were, were saying. I, I felt like if I found the right employer, they would understand. Right. I just never did. Never did. Yeah. You know, and I think you've you've hit on something really important that it's mindset. And and this is what's being rocked specifically, not to keep bringing it back to COVID-19, but I would be remiss in doing this interview, even though I know from a podcasting perspective that this interview will live on in perpetuity forever. And people could listen to this five years from now and they're like, I don't even remember COVID-19. Well, that's probably unlikely, but you know, that, that it lives on, but we are in the middle of this right now. You know, we're in April, we're dealing with COVID-19, we're dealing with a global society that's been turned upside down and we're having to pivot in a way that like what you were just describing, you had to learn to pivot at 58 mm-hmm. because you lost your job, your world got rocked your identity and the roles that you played in that identity as provider and husband and father, maybe the husband and father piece didn't really shift or change that much, but aspects of that did. And I think that that's such an important piece to look at because it's about the mindset and how we see ourselves through that mindset. And if we start going down that path where the mindset is shifting to a degree where it's inhibiting us in some way or creating negativity for us in our thoughts or our actions or mm, how we kind of move about. Like, I'm not going to get dressed today. I'm just going to wear my sweats. (laughs) And yet you said, no, I'm going to sit at my desk in a more casual type clothing that is not the kind of stuff I would wear just around the house. And at the same time, it's not the suit and tie because I need to feel a bit different. (laughs) And I think that's such an important piece that so many of us forget because we get caught up in whatever is going on. So with that then, and, and this kind of being the catalyst to starting the Not Old Better show, <laughs> initially starting just as a way to connect with other people your age, to try to, it, what it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, it almost sounds like you kind of started this initially with just maybe peers or others you met who were going through same and similar things as a way to vent and process and talk through and figure out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then it developed into, oh my gosh, an awareness that, oh, holy cow, there's a lot of us that are going through this. How can I share this in a different way? And is that kind of really then how the podcast started as a podcast? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I, as I was interview, as I was talking to people, um, clearly with this kind of venting approach, mm-hmm. a, a, more allowing others to vent and for me to uh, kind of try to understand what I was going through comparatively, but also to try and inject a little bit of a sense of humor in into this because I think it is it's a heavy subject, and I think we all. It's important for us to laugh at some of those moments when we get asked, you know, ridiculous questions during an interview. But I do think, I do think for me, I realized that it could be a podcast when I started to understand that recording some of these moments was more powerful. It's more powerful for someone to hear in someone's voice their timber change as they are talking about something that's deeply affecting them than it is for me to just write about it. And so that that theater of the mind is what really drove me to kind of say, there's a better medium. There's got to be a better medium for me to share some of this work. And and then I kind of felt too, Susan, like I was 
I kind of exhausted that. I felt maybe, I mean, it's certainly not, it's even more dominant now. I mean, as an issue for my, for my age group, there are many, mm-hmm. many, many of us that are, who, who've been laid off, especially as a result of COVID, but I do, I've kind of moved on a little bit. So I kind of dealt with it. I talk about it. I end up, you know, being invited to speak at, at events, uh, periodically and, and I'll, I'll refer to that time when I was laid off as being the catalyst, as, as being kind of the moment. But I find that it doesn't have quite the sting for me. And as a result, I don't have quite the drive to interview other people about that subject. If, if people want to talk about work for those over age 60 as a subject, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't, I don't get into the personal stories as much as I was at the start because I found that I kind of went beyond it. And I found that it was better for me to start sharing stories that were more positive, that were more upbeat, that were giving people a sense of how to, how to assist in their own mindset development from a work standpoint by focusing on maybe cultural relationships or some of the, some of the things that I talk about now. Yeah. And I love that you said that because you brought up something that I view through a slightly different lens. It's the same thing. It's just, I view it through a different lens. Like when people continually keeps telling their story about that kind of, let's say challenging time or, or traumatic situation, they're kind of staying in the victim stance mindset. And, And they think that they're just sharing the story. Like I've done a million times too, but there's a different feeling, right? You know, like if I shared my story early on, there was that, those feelings and all the triggers in me and the thoughts. And, you know, it's like I was still processing and I was still, you know, maybe seeking out others so that I could vent and I could feel a sense of camaraderie and a a sense of, wow, you get it kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And then over time, as I unpeeled those layers, and that sounds like exactly what you're describing, as I unpeeled those layers and I've watched my clients peel away layers and friends and family, it's like our story shifts. And it's almost like we can recall this story we read a long (laughs) time ago, but it's not really my story anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a part of my experience and my memory, but it's not a part of my identity and how I see myself. And I think that's a key difference, Mm -hmm. you know? So as you then were moving into that space and the not old better show was was kind of moving forward. Was it this kind of rapid growth in this? And what I mean by rapid, I don't mean like, oh, you were an overnight success. I mean, because there was such a need for a show that dealt with the 50 plus population and all of the issues that are sometimes very specific and unique to people over 50, did you find then that the growth of the show took you down this different path and all of a sudden kind of not being able to find work was not an issue anymore because this was your work now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. I changed and I, I will tell you, I don't mean to brag about, but I'm, I'm proud of the change because I found what it is that I love. I found what it is that I can do for a long, long time. I found what it is that just gives me a great deal of joy. I mentioned money a few minutes ago. I don't earn nearly the money that I ever earned in in previous jobs. It is a struggle, as a matter of fact, as a podcaster to make any money whatsoever, but I just have changed in, in my outlook towards that and in my outlook towards what it is that I do and what I love. And so this is what I really love to do. And I think that that change was pretty, that came about pretty quickly as I started to do more of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've done 440 audio shows at this point since I, uh, since, since the show first started. So, you know, it, it, it has taken me a long time to get to even where I am. And I know that I still have a long ways to go but I love that part of it. And, and so you use this really nice way of kind of painting this as something that 
is victim related. I definitely saw that. I didn't want to be a victim any longer. I also saw it as a chapter uh, of my story and that my story is going to go on and there will be other blips along the way and stumbles and challenges. But by and large, I'm on a path now that I feel so good about that irrespective of what those challenges are, I'm still going to make it through. I made it through some really difficult times already. I still can you know, face those and face them down yeah. because I think of what I'm doing. And so that growth has come about pretty quickly. You mentioned a book to uh, Jonathan Living Siegel. I, I read a book over the years too called Advice from a Failure by a woman by the name of Joe Couder. And I don't even think the book is in print anymore, but I have a, an old paperback uh, of it and uh, the um, binding is shot on <laughs> yeah. it. It's just kind of coming apart because yeah. it, it really helped me through yeah. some of those moments and really taught me that I can, I can make strides and keep going and have my, uh, my own level of success based on what it is that I uh, deem it to be, as mm-hmm. opposed to having some external source telling me what it is. So that's changed a lot. Yes. And, and, and I think, gosh, you know, this is the, everybody listening. This is exactly why I wanted to have a further conversation with Paul after our initial meeting for, you know, a magazine that I write for, I wanted to bring Paul on directly so we could have this conversation because the wisdom and the insight, the challenges that you've been through, which is not unlike most of us. And again, we can label it something different. We can call it something different, but we all go through these challenges and it's how we respond, how we, you know, it's not pull yourself up by the big boy or girl panties and just move on. That's what we've been kind of taught. It is to some degree. And at the same time, it's allow yourself the permission to vent, to feel the sadness, to feel the frustration, to question your identity and the roles you play. And then allow that to fuel and uplift and guide you into the gifts that it's offering, the opportunities it's offering to say, wow, I really do have this choice to no longer be a victim. I don't like what happened and it really stinks. And I still hate it and I still can be like, about it. Mm-hmm. And I can say, hmm, how can I learn and grow from this? And look, you ended up coming into something that you love and are passionate about doing on a regular basis. Did you ever imagine, let's not say at first, obviously, when you first were laid off and looking for a job, but as you initially started talking to other people and you started seeing these similarities and the need for this camaraderie and the sharing and this information, did you ever imagine you'd be where you are today with your work in the podcast even? No, I really didn't. And I began understanding that I could get through it, but I didn't know what the end point was going to look like. And Mm -hmm. I still don't necessarily, but I do know that I've got something that I just love doing and I'm going to continue to do it. And, And in that way, I'm still kind of reaching for it, but I just, I just had no idea what, where I, where I was going to go. And and there was part of me too, Susan, that I'm not sure I wanted to let myself kind of think about too much kind of down the road that that was kind of a scary thought too. I Mm, kind of mm -hmm. needed to be, you know, we all hear this term. I very, I needed to be very much in the moment. I needed to know kind of what I was kind of feeling from day to day. I certainly needed to understand how I was going to get through every single day I would kind of model myself after making, you know, just trying to get that next step. But I don't think I really thought too, too far ahead. And I sure didn't see this. I didn't, I didn't see this at all. Wow. Ah, I love this. Taking a brief pause moment just to like relish and appreciate this kind of wisdom and this kind of, you know, growth that we all can experience at whatever ages we are. You don't have to be 50 plus. This is the beauty of right doing a podcast and sharing information is that you can grab things that resonate for you that you're like, well, I'm not 50. 
<laughs> I'm not 60. I'm not, I'm not, I'm 27 or I'm 34. And I just heard something that resonated with me and I go, oh, okay, well, maybe I can start to view this through this lens or maybe I could look at it like that. And maybe that will help me move a little, I guess I'll say further down the path in an easier way than maybe up against those barriers and obstacles. Okay, so two more questions. What are the goals? What are the goals that you as Paul have for yourself as this spiritually expressed human being, right? Mm -hmm. Living in human form in all of that divinity and faith and love and kindness and compassion that you are. And I'm going to throw them both out at the same time, because if you want to intertwine them, that's awesome. So what are your goals as Paul, the spiritually expressed human? And what are your goals professionally for the show if you have particular goals, even though I know you don't want to look too far down the path? Yeah, I, I do see them as intertwined today. And I probably didn't before being laid off, you know, in, in such a, uh, in such a dramatic way. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I definitely feel as though my growth spiritually helps my growth professionally. And, and so I want to continue to do that. I, as I mentioned, I am somebody who is, is pretty religious, just, just who I am. And so I love to interact in, in my faith. I love to worship. I love to, I kind of miss those opportunities where we get to gather together and, and uh, I'm excited to hear your interview with your brother, because you ask some of those questions. Well, what are you doing now that you're not able to gather? Because we're not. And, and so I love that part of it. And, and, and so I miss that. But I do intend to continue that when we're, when we're able to, to, to return to a more kind of normal interaction with others. Yeah. I think with regard to my, uh, my professional life, the, the podcast, I, uh, to me, the best part of what I do is getting the word out more about what I do. And I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have a big fancy budget to do advertising. I don't have a big fancy staff to do, <laughs> you know, it's just, you're looking at the chief cook and bottle washer, right, right here. And now it's, that's me. And so getting the word out, doing, doing shows like yours, getting other people to come on, my show to help kind of spread this word. Those are my goals. Those are my goals now. And I really love, um, love that community too. I'll, I'll tell you this. It's been, it's been wonderful to get to know you and to get to know all you are doing too, because you're helping the community in so many ways. You, you've been very, you know, um, helpful, uh, to me already. And, uh, and so I think it's through this kind of work that we are helping each other. And that's more of a focus these days for me. It's yeah. more, it's more, it's, it's broader. Um, people, uh, you know, might say, well, he's all touchy feely and, you know, not, you know, not clued into reality. That's not true. I'm very, very reality based, but I also believe that the reality is such that we need each other. And so it's great to do these kinds of things. This is, these are my goals. Who would say that? Let me kick their butt. The old name <laughs> of my show, right? Who, I love that name, by the way. Who would, who would say that, that you're not living in reality? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, again, I just, I, I, I want to just add a, a caveat there, you know, even though we're still chatting together, simply for all of you who may, again, be wondering, even though you've listened to a couple of episodes about why I changed the name. Because I just said what I said, like, oh, I'll kick their butt. It's like, you know, it's that passionate part of me that loves people. And, you know, I see Paul as a soul. I see him as this beautiful, you can't see his face, but you'll see his face on on the, you know, when when I announce the airing of the show, you'll see his face. I'm looking at his lovely face right now and I see his heart and soul and he's just this gentle, beautiful, compassionate, caring and passionate man. And so the thought in my head of somebody being like, oh, that Paul, he's not living in reality. Yeah, that that fires up the 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 little lion in me that makes me go, come on, I want to kick your butt. <laughs> just know that the name change was because it just needed to be more reflective 
of all the work that I and my guests do, and that it is more about how we step into the humanness as the spiritually divine beings that we are, no matter how we express that, whether it's through our job or the roles we play or the religiosity or the faith that we believe or whatever those beliefs are. And I just, I will continue to point that out when it comes up like this, because you all know me, I'm just kind of go with the flow organic and got to add that piece there. So thanks for letting me do that, Paul. Well, can I tell you, so I loved the name kicking your butts because it just it has so much you know there's so much there there as they say you know it just it just rings of somebody who is going to be out in front doing stuff and making sure that the other stuff that goes on is left behind you know behind the butt right and and you just you just really knocked it out of the park i thought with that name but i really enjoy this idea of navigating the human experience, because I think that's what we are all trying to do. And it it may be more important for us to learn how to do that than it is for us to worry about kicking the butts and just simply learn how to deal with life. And so congrats. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll be, we will be kicking the butts at the same time. It's just (laughs) like, that's what I think I felt. And thank Uh, you for pointing that out is that kick your butts was almost like just a part of it. Mm-hmm. And this feels like all of it. And so now we can bring all those pieces in and I can even bring on other guests mm-hmm. who, you know, just from these different kind of perspectives and places. And that was what was more appealing and exciting to me from my own sense of soul and self was in that authenticity and that kind of clarity. It became this, wait a minute. You know, we are these humans having this these sets of experiences, and we get caught up in like that past story and that past conditioning because that's who we thought we were supposed to be. I'm this man. I'm this provider. I'm this father. I'm this husband. I'm this worker. I'm this whatever. I bring in X Y Z dollars, and I go do this thing every day, and then we have these routines and these parts of our lives that we share together. And when one of those pieces gets taken away and the role crumbles or totally shifts, I have seen it as a therapist. I cannot tell you how many thousands of times the person begins to fall apart. And it's like, but you're not the roles that you play. Right. And so, you know, thank you for for pointing that out. And thank you for loving the kick your butts. I just realized too that I'm not I'm not a drill sergeant. Oh, I could definitely be strong and in your face a little bit, but I still always do it with love and compassion and as much empathy as I can, you know. Right. No, that's who you are. Absolutely who you are. But it just is one of those, it's just one of those great titles. So anyway. Oh, thank you. It'll always be yours. Oh, thank you, Paul. All right. If there was a final piece of advice, wisdom, thought, something that you really wanted to share with the audience that really helps them understand how the things you went through and the challenges and the obstacles you came up against, how your sense of self from that deeper spiritual and faith-based place helped you, what would be that piece that you would want to offer up? And you, you mentioned this just a moment ago, and I think lightening up a little bit, not taking myself quite so seriously throughout most of my life, trying to be that son, trying to be that father, trying to be that provider, but understanding what it is that I'm really all about. It has taken me a long time to figure it out. And so I really do believe that being a little easier on on me would have helped me a long time ago. I think being a little easier on ourselves today is what we really need because we are just facing some some difficulties that we've never seen before. And so we just have to give ourselves, you know, I mean, and and, and I kind of joked a little bit about it, you know, the, the kitchen in our house is is crazy because we're all there trying to figure, you know, trying to get our food when we need to get our food. And, right. and we just have to give each other space and give each other, you know, that kind of that warm pat on the back and say, hey, love you. Can I get into that drawer, please? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> So I think that would have that that's one bit of advice. I think the other piece piece of advice which you which you articulate so well and that is to hang in, to keep going, to persevere, to not get 
so down that you can't, you know, take that next step because that, and it sounds, it's trite perhaps, but I think it's so crucial that we, we remember to just get up and just take that next step, whatever that step might be. You know, even if it's one step forward, two steps back, it's still making a step forward at a time. And so that's, that's, I think, probably my little mantra, my, my daily yeah. affirmation is to make sure that I just take those steps and go forward. So, so, so important, such powerful and important wisdom, because especially right now, that's all we can do. We have to keep moving forward, though. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. I would invite you all, and this is part of a difference in the format of the show, too, is that I'm also bringing on experts in their fields and hand-selected guests who aren't selling anything. You know, they're just like, you already heard the interview with my brother that was, you know, still under the old show title. But you already heard the interview that I had with my brother where we just talked about things that are going on. And so it won't be, oh, here, if you want to know more about Paul and work with Paul, then go here. What I would invite, though, is for you all to check out the Not Old Better show. And you can find that on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, all Spotify, all the typical channels. The best way, though, is to go to HTTPS, right? That's the, the secure handle, uh, colon. I don't know why I'm saying the whole thing. I don't usually do that. That's so <laughs> weird. Okay, scratch all that. You'll see it in the show notes. Just go. I, yeah, I don't know why I was doing that. I've never done that before. Weird. Just go to www.notold, N-O-T-O-L-D, not old, dash, you know, the little center dash in the middle, better, B-E-T-T-E-R.com. So that's www.notold-better.com, and that'll be in the show notes. And listen into this podcast, this show. It's phenomenal with an amazing, amazing guests, quite a few celebrities. I mean, like, Paul, you've really outdone yourself with the <laughs> kinds of guests, and I'm honored that I will be a guest as well. I surely, you know, in my in my little mind, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm not like some of these guests. And uh, the beauty are. is you, you just interview from the heart people who can bring value to your audience and share in these aging issues that we face at 50 plus. And if by chance you are younger than that, there is still a wealth of information here and you can share it with those you know and love who are 50 plus and who might benefit greatly. It is about working together to share the information and the messages that we're here to share. And Paul, you're doing an amazing job at that with the Not Old Better show. I, I just love it. Well, thanks, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for being here. I am honored to have you on. I'm excited to share this with my audience. And I can't wait for our continued relationship to unfold over time. And and this is the beauty, everyone, is how we can meet someone in one fashion. And if we're open to the possibilities, it develops you know, down other paths and other branches of the tree, so to speak, where we are all just kind of living in the tree base together. I don't know. That was a weird analogy, but it's what came out. So I just went with the flow of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for being here, Paul. It's been an honor to to be with you here today. And I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. The honor is mine. And I'm just, I'm thrilled for you getting into this new direction, expanding what it is that you've already been doing. I, I'm so honored to, to be with you at this uh, at the start of this next step for you. So thank you, Susan. Very welcome. So you all, I love you so much. And you know that I'm so honored that you're here each and every week. And I don't have a new website for the new show. I will be switching things over, but it's not current. So I'm hesitant to say at this point. So if 
you want to reach out to me and let me know what you're liking and not liking, what is going on for you, what your thoughts are, what your questions are, if you'd like to ever come on as a guest to where I do some therapeutic coaching directly with you live on air at the time, live meaning it is recorded, but we are together live in that moment, please reach out to me at susan at susandesenzi.com. That is my email address, susan at susandesenzi.com. It will be in the show notes. If you're loving what you're hearing, please find it in your heart to offer up a rating and a review because that is how we all help one another grow our shows and reach more people and create more impact. And please, if you're feeling like this is something you know some other people would appreciate, please feel free to share it. I love you all. I will see you next week. Have an amazing, beautiful week. Stay safe. Be well. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option, getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.